0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Judges chapter 1 and verse 4, then it's just good to be free in the house of the Lord, free from sin by the power of the name of Jesus. Now, how many of you are thankful that you know the power of God? How many of you have personally experienced? You recognize value in his presence. You found strength through his name. What was not and had not been became something in the hands of God. How many of you are thankful that God brought you out of darkness and into this marvelous light? Out of the miry clay and onto the rock. Now think about it, he brought you from misery beauty, from heaviness to happiness. And we've witnessed that in our own personal lives and in the lives of others who have been touched by the power of God. So as God's word is preached today, I want you to exercise your faith. I want you to embrace the promise. And I want you to allow God to work a change in your heart right now. And I want you to receive my text an invitation to the king's table. God is giving you an invitation to the king's table. And I want you to receive that today and I want you to accept that invitation and feast on the good things that the Lord is going to give. But there is an oppressor that we got to deal with. And we find him in in Judges chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. And we got to deal with this oppressor because he doesn't want you to be at the king's table. He wants to keep you from that place that God has made for you. But we're going to fight it scripturally and we're going to do it the Bible way and we're going to overcome it. And you're going to find out that God doesn't want you under the table. He wants you at the table. And Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. And they slew of them in Bezek 10,000 men. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and they fought against him. And they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. But But Adonai Bezek, he fled, and they pursued after him and caught him, cut off his thumbs and his great toes. And it seems like that was a very cruel, inhumane thing to do, but the reason they did that is because that's exactly what Adonai Bezek did to 70 kings. And he said, three score and ten kings, 70 kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table, as I have done, so God hath requited me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. God's going to work a change in somebody's life today. He's going to work a change in somebody's life today. And God's inviting you to the table. Now we got Adonai Bezek, the Lord of lightning. We got him in our way because he loves to oppress people. And that spirit of oppression is at work in our culture, if you didn't notice. And people are experiencing that even in the church because their minds and hearts are being oppressed by the enemy. And it just seems like they're always down. No matter how up you get, you just seem to be further down after you feel that hand of oppression. Well, we're going to take that right now in Jesus' name. We're fixing to cut the thumbs off and the big toes. They're not going to be able to walk on you anymore not gonna be able to grip you anymore and you're gonna be free of it in Jesus name and God's gonna work the change (laughs) he's gonna work the change so I want you to just put your Bibles down and your iPads and your phones and all of that jazz I want you to just lift your hands and say God I accept the invitation to the table. I want to feast on the good things of the Lord. I want to receive my joy and my peace in the midst of the sorrow and the oppression of our world. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There was an old custom in the Roman Empire that when a mighty Roman army conquered a particularly Worthy foe, the army would sever his thumbs. It was a sign of humiliation, an emblem of defeat, and forever that person would be marked as a loser. More importantly, the severing of the thumbs served a greater purpose. This defeated warrior would never be able to grip and wield a sword effectively again. Never again would they be able to rise up to fight. And although they may be bitter in their hearts, and they may recognize the bitterness of their circumstance, they would be powerless to change it. And that is the reason why the enemy likes to oppress you is because he wants to set in your mind that where you're at, your circumstance cannot be changed. That is the lie that we're going to defeat in Jesus' name today. It was the goal of the Roman Empire that from that point forward, that man could not effectively ever rise against Rome again. A cruel but effective way to neutralize a potential enemy. But in God's word, we read of another king who was even more humane than this. Seventy kings we read about that were beneath his table. Each one possessed a kingdom. Each one had a crown atop his head and a scepter in his hand. Each one ruled over a portion of the promised land. Each was respected and feared, and perhaps at one time even loved by their subjects. But now they're beneath the table, stripped of their kingly robes and dignity, no longer praised by the crowd, no one no longer hearing the words, Long live the king! They're laughed at, they're jeered at. The once spectacular is now a spectacle. Each had something else in common. They were missing the thumbs and their big toes. They could no longer grasp a scepter, a crown, a mace, or a sword. And that king who used to march majestically now just stumbles and falls with no balance. Each crawling around on their hands and their knees, groveling at the feet of this cruel king who defeated them. Kicked by dinner guests, scrambling for a crumb that occasionally fell from the master's table. Like dogs, they were seeking for crumbs. Now, I know that we find beggars like this in Scripture, and some of them even displayed great faith in the New Testament. The four beggars uh, outside of Samaria's walls and the beggar outside the gate beautiful and Bartimaeus outside the city of Jericho. Each of these had a cause for their malady and their behavior. They had an impediment, a disease, a leprosy, a lameness, a blindness. And Jesus showed mercy on each of them. But these 70 men who were scrambling for crumbs beneath the table, they were kings. Kings who knew the difference between living above the table and below it. Kings who once enjoyed their meals but now endured. Once they ruled but now they grovel. Their worlds were upside down. They once had been above the table and now they were below the table. As Solomon said, I saw princes walking and servants riding on horses. These were kings foraging for food. They were now reduced to canines because of a cruel master who cut their thumbs and their toes to never rise and walk again with majesty. They had lost their ability to operate with any kind of authority. Now, uh, just for a side note, consider this for a moment. Jesus said that what measure we use will be used against us again. If we sow kindness, we reap kindness. But church, if we sow cruelty, we're going to reap cruelty. And so sometimes we need to pay attention to that rule because whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So church, it might be wise for us just to sow compassion and kindness wherever we can, whenever we can, so that we can reap in kind as we have sown. But the stark reality remains. This one king brought down 70 more, 70 kings beneath this table. And today, when I look at the people that I know and I love, and I look into the eyes and I see misery, and I see pain, and I see hurt, And I hear in your voices, there might be laughter, but deep within, I can sense that there are sounds of regret and weariness and discouragement. I think here is a king who has fallen beneath the table. And my role today is to get you back up from underneath that table and put you at the table where you belong. You're not someone's footstool. You're not someone's trash. You're not someone's mistake. You're a wonderful treasure made in the image of God. Every last one of you belong to a royal family. We are king's kids made in his image. As his kids were given dominion over his creation, above the beast of the field, we are not eating crumbs from beneath the table. When God made you, he did not make you junk. He made you a wonderful person to reveal the glory of God to the world. You are special, valued and unique. <clears throat> he created every one of you with a unique cooling system within your body. Your body warms and cools itself, generates 2,500 calories of heat a day, enough to boil 25 pots of coffee. Within your brain, there's a thermostat with its own nervous system that can contract and enlarge blood vessels of the body to give off more or less heat. He made you a king's kid. He created you with a unique electrical system. Your brain contains millions of nerve cells. Your eyes are connected to your brain by 300,000 separate and private telephone lines. He made you that way. You are a king's He created you with a unique mechanical system over 200 bones with enclosed self-lubricating joints. How many of your joints don't quite lubricate like they used to? He made you that way a king's kid. He created you with a unique audio system. The piano has 88 keys, but the human ear is capable of hearing a range of 1,500 keys. In a completely soundproof room, your ear is so sensitive, it can literally hear the blood flowing through your blood vessels. That average, that heart that's just averaging all of us pumps blood through that system of thousands of blood vessels. uh, Every 16th of a second it beats and there the blood goes through all of the avenues of the body. He made you that way, a king's kid. He created you, that individual you, fashioned as an individual snowflake, unique fingerprint, voice print, blood vessel patterns, all a part of the of the fact that you are unique, you are special, and you are valuable. Quit allowing the devil to oppress you. He created you to think, to know, to perceive, and to understand. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. God did not make you expendable. He did not make you a defeat. You are not fashioned to be on the trash heap. He made you to love and to be loved, to get up again, to try, try again. He gives power to the weak the almighty comes to those who have no might he brings you out from beneath the table and he sets you at the table he doesn't just throw you an extra scrap because you're begging at his table he says no i've got something better than that i'm gonna lift you up he enables you to triumph over life's adversity you are more than a conqueror through him That loved you. My, my, my. A king made you. I said a king made you. And you bear the marks of the king. That's why you can walk around in the morning and see a sunrise and say, beautiful. The clue is you were fashioned by a king to be a king. And they sang a new song singing And saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And having made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. I don't understand all that I need to know about this. But I do know that we were made to rule and reign. You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. You have been given power to tread on serpents and scorpions. You've been given authority over all the forces of the world. You can call on the name of Jesus anytime you want to, and he is there. I say, church, let's straighten up our shoulders, lift up our heads, and sing it. I'm a child. Of the king. His royal blood now flows through my veins. I who was wretched and poor now can sing. I'm a child of the king. But here's the problem. We permit the enemy to oppress us. Adonai Bezek oppressed these 70 kings. He removed their thumbs and pardon the pun, he disarmed them. He removed their big toes and again he defeated them. He took away their ability to fight. That's the reason why the enemy doesn't want you to try this morning. He doesn't want you to fight. He wants to take that ability away because he wants you to feel hopeless and in despair. He took away their ability to march. He doesn't want you to be able to stand up and say, I've got my balance. I know where I stand. You could interview those that surrounded Adonai Bezek. Perhaps they tried to make a treaty with him, but there was no treaty to be made because this man was cruel beyond imagination. And when he defeated an enemy, he wanted to make sure they would never rise again. So there was an oppression about his spirit. That's the reason why God wanted him brought down. Not just because he was cruel, but because he was camped on the promised land and he was stopping God's people from coming into their promise. And that's what upset God the most. He knew that he was a cruel man and wanted him brought down, but that's not the only reason why he wanted him defeated. You're not gonna stop my people from experiencing my promise with your spirit of oppression. Now, That's just the introduction. Whoa, 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 whoa. I am tired of Pentecostals letting a spirit of oppression keep them from their promise. When we got people all around us with their voice of oppression that says, we're this, we're that, we're this negative. I come against it in the name of Jesus uh, and I take authority over it. Right now, you might be walking in depression, but that doesn't mean you got to spread it to everybody else around you. At least if you realize you're under oppression, come in here and say, God, lift me and get me at the table so I can be delivered. You say, well, how does that happen? Well, first of all, we forget to pray. We've got, we have not because we ask not. And so we got to pray and we got to seek the Lord. we got to say, God, I know that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. But I'm not going to let this oppression get a hold of me, so I'm going to pray. We fall beneath the table when we give the enemy access to our lives. We give him too much room. We don't draw the line. We don't create boundaries in our life. And you need to set boundaries and say, devil, you can go no further. And I'm not putting up with your lies any longer. I've been saved. When your past comes and tries to bother you, you need to stand against it and say, I've been washed in the blood of the lamb. If it's a voice of another saint in the church that doesn't have understanding about the power of the blood that's oppressing you about the past, you say, devil, I'm not allowing you to, uh, that voice, any influence in my life, I stop it right here, right now, by the blood of the lamb. When something comes back, And you know how the brain is. It'll refire and you'll literally relive a past bad experience. And you can literally experience the same emotions from that same scene over and over again. And that's a cycle that your brain comes into. You got to stop that. And I'm going to show you how to stop it in just a moment. But I'm going to tell you right now, you got to stop that thought. Because you cannot allow yourself to just refire that entire deal. That's a synapsis that keeps firing. And you got to break that synapsis, And the only way to do it is for you to stand on the power of the blood. And in the name of Jesus, establish a bloodline and a boundary. And say... I can't change what happened yesterday, but I'm not going to take the emotional oppression that comes from me rethinking it again and you getting down again over it. I have victory over that in the name of Jesus. Church, if some of you would stop allowing those voices of oppression... You quit messing with my blessing, devil. I permitted it long enough, and I'm not going to take it anymore in Jesus' name. I wish somebody would just jump up and say, in Jesus' name. That's the only name that I know that will work on it. The devil's messing with your blessing and I refuse to let him mess with my blessing. You say, but this is wrong and that is wrong and it all may be wrong, but I've come to tell you that God has already made it a possibility for you to be free and I think that you ought to tear down the stronghold in Jesus' name. Tear it down in Jesus' name. Here's another reason why it seems like Adonai Bezek has opportunity and authority to work. We listen to the wrong voice. Huh? The accuser of the brethren. He's an accuser. And if you listen to those accusations day and night, you won't feel like you're worth two cents. Amen. Amen. You won't won't have the authority to clap your hands. You'll be thumbless. You'll be toeless, big toeless. And you'll have to walk a little bit crazy to just keep your balance to keep from falling all the time. And there's some people that'll push you over. They're always got something to say about something. Huh? But you can either permit that to stop you, or you can stand against it in Jesus' name and say, I've got a bloodline around me, and I've got a boundary around me, and I'm not gonna let those voices penetrate that boundary any longer. So may I just tell the devil to hush up? I'm going on for Jesus. Can somebody just tell the devil? I would tell him to we got too many kids around here and I don't want them to say shut up so hush up devil kids you're not supposed to say shut up so just say hush up devil be quiet devil be silent I'm trying but it still sounds better to say shut up don't it (laughs) amen I'm trying to be nice but I'm not I'm telling you the devil got me upset because too many people are oppressed by the enemy and they're allowing it that's what the Lord told me. And I'm stepping out here and I'm exposing it for the truth. And I'm telling you, you cannot allow the devil to, per- to, to give him permission to oppress you any longer. you got to speak against it. you got to come against it right now in the name of Jesus. you got to put the bloodline around you. But you cannot magnify the enemy's resources. It looks like he's very powerful. But you, gotta, you cannot minimize the resources that you've received. Granted, our enemy is powerful and brilliant. He's the master of disguises. He has thousands of years of oppressing people behind him. He knows exactly how to do it. But we are not alone in the battle. Because what worked on the devil in the wilderness of temptation still works today. It is written. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. We are compassed about with angels. We have the indwelling presence of an almighty God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We have the authority of the one who has all power in heaven and in earth. I don't care how hopeless it might seem, you can still say, God, I'm coming out of this and I'm going to be overcoming and I'm going to sit at the table and I'm going to feast until I am full. The Bible says, Beloved, now we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Every man has this hope within. And that is why this hope is the anchor of the soul. Because the hope says, I might be beneath the table now, but I will not always be there because I do have a seat at the table. I said, you're a king's kid. And through Jesus is your restoration. Now, here's what you got to do. You got to reclaim your place at the table. I'm not interested in just getting back at the enemy. I'm interested in getting back what the enemy has taken from me. I want to see every one of those kings crawl out from beneath their oppression and I want it righted and I want you restored. Jesus restores. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. My God says the enemy is an oppressor. He is a tyrant who has, he has put under his feet. That word oppress in the New Testament means to have dominion over. But God in the word has promised you dominion. You need to take dominion in Jesus' name. But man's sin has given the enemy opportunity to step forward and take that dominion away from you and oppress you. But now I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I've been loosed from that bondage. Now I am free. I am free to declare, you have absolutely no right to oppress us any longer. I have a right to praise the Lord. I have a right to be free. I have a right to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. I have as much right as anybody in this room or in this building. You have just as much right to walk out of that pew and walk up here and say, where is the Holy Ghost? I need it in my heart today, and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Now, here was God's remedy in Judges chapter one, and this is your remedy, and this is how you can reclaim your place at the table. Very quickly, God joined two tribes together, and he told Simeon and Judah to come together. And said, I want you to fight this enemy, bring down this oppressor, because he's keeping you from taking the south country, and I want you to bring him down. And so they did. Simeon means God hears, and Judah means, if I have to tell you that, you will get a C for the test for sure. I just told you what Simeon is, but what is Judah? So those are the two ways you're going to defeat the enemy. First of all, don't think you're wasting your time. Here's what happens. I've prayed and nothing's happened. God's heard you. But you haven't started praising him for the answer before you get it. See, that's the reason why this is the Lord of the lightning in the Old Testament. Now, the Lord of the lightning in the New Testament is Jesus rejoiced because he saw Satan falling out of heaven like? So that means the oppressor has been cast down. Now, he wasn't rejoicing because he was the one that cast him down. It was through the works of his disciples and his disciples operating in the power of God that caused him to rejoice and say, I beheld Satan falling out of heaven like lightning. Now, it's good for Jesus. I mean, we all know that Jesus is God and he can do anything, and so we rejoice. Oh, yeah, Jesus whooped up on the devil. But that's not what made Jesus rejoice. He's saying, you have the power. So that oppression that's on you, that you're allowing to be on you, I can't cast it off of you. That's what you've got to understand about this. I can't get it off of you. I can, I can talk, I can preach, I can pray until you stand up and say, I'm a child of the king. Until you say, I'm not going to be oppressed with this any longer. Till you declare, I'm a king's kid. I've got royal blood flowing through my veins until you say the Lord has heard me and I will praise him for he will answer me. You do it. Now, the Lord of the lightning is falling. Go ahead. Go ahead and claim it. Go ahead and declare it. Go ahead and speak it. Go ahead and say, I believe that my God is able. My God is able. I will praise the Lord. I will lift him up in in this place. I will give him glory and honor forever. The Lord has heard me. I am redeemed. Now, for some reason or another, here's where the devil tricks people. Here's where he tricks you. He makes you think Sympathizing over your situation makes you stronger. Crying about it makes you stronger. That somehow poor little me makes you stronger and creates safety and refuge. It does not. I've tried it, okay? It doesn't work. All right, so it's not like you're alone in this, like poor little you, I'm picking on you. I've tried this and it just don't work. I tried getting mad at the voice of the accuser and, and found out that anger toward the accuser don't work because they just get empowered by my anger. And my pity only calls Adonai to me Bezek to oppress me more. That's all it does. So, this is what I've learned to do. I learned to quit realizing my sorrow and my pain. It's real, but I quit emphasizing it. I I will not allow it to control me any longer. And I say, you know what? God just soon hear my prayers, He does anybody in this room. That's what you, right there, right there, right there. God just soon hear you as anybody. Now, I know that when you've been in Pentecost as long as I have, you have to understand that some people feel entitled to what they have, and they feel like that entitlement gave them the right to salvation. No. Your entitlement doesn't give you the right to anything. And that is the reason why people get oppressed, is because they feel like, you know what? I'm entitled to feel this way. And you're not. You're not entitled to feel anyway except delivered, except God's heard my cry. You're just not entitled to any of it other than Jesus saves you and Jesus delivers you and Jesus heals you. And so I have learned the art, if I could teach it to you, I will change your life forever. I have learned the art of praising God when there is no answer in sight I'm not entitled to anything, but God just soon hear my prayers, yours and yours is mine. So I might as well give it and I might as well get excited about it because he's heard me. He's heard me. He's heard me. I'm going to send Simeon. God hears me. How many of you are baptized in Jesus name? Right now, your sins are completely washed away. How many of you really do have the Holy Ghost or you think you do anyway? You think you got it. You you might just have the Holy Ghost. Well, if you've got it, woo! What? Why sit there and be oppressed? I'd say, I'd just stand up and say, devil, get your hands off my mind. Get your hands off of my spirit. I'm a child of the king. I'm a king's kid. I'm it's yours. You have to claim it. And so that's what we do at the end of the service. So I want us all to stand want our uh, ministry team to come and I want to give everybody here an opportunity I I don't know what's hurting you or what's oppressing you I don't know what's casting you down and I feel for you I'm I'm here with you because I've been there I mean you, you get hit so many different ways you don't know how it's coming where it's coming from next. And it's hard to do what I'm saying. It's a lot easier to preach it. It's a lot more fun to preach it than it is to do it. I can promise you that much. I'm having a lot of fun preaching it, so. Because it's a lot of fun to say all this. It's just not fun to live it. But you have to live it to really know its value And to know that what i am i'm speaking to you right now will happen for you just as sure as i'm standing in this pulpit it will happen for you and so i want you to come to the front and i want you to say brother kinsey i'm not allowing the oppression of sickness i'm not allowing the oppression of whatever has come against you i'm not allowing sin or pain or hurt or the past Or whatever I'm not gonna let it affect me any longer I'm going to call upon the Lord now you step out right now all over this building all over this house from the balcony there they're coming from the balcony they're coming from all over this building I want you to walk up here and just stand with us in the front I want you to get as close to the front as you can come on up here and find the God Find the one who loves you the most. Find the one who cares for you so deeply. Come on. Get as close to the front as you can. Come on and and meet me up here at the front. That's it. Come on up here to the front. Come on up here. Come on up here. That's so beautiful. Come on up here walk right up here to the front God loves you he sees you exactly where you're at and he cares for you so deeply he cares for you so deeply you don't have to be oppressed any longer I know we live in that kind of world and it just seems to be very heavy at times and it's not even brought on by anything you've done it's just the world doesn't like who we are and so they want to try to change our identity by oppressing us (coughs) but you must refuse to be oppressed you cannot permit the enemy to operate if you permitting to operate in your life he will work young people come gather in now and come start praying with these people around you that's it god is talking to people dealing with people speaking into people's lives and you're taking a stand against oppression in your life and i know it's it's individual for everybody because every What oppresses you may not oppress me. What somebody says to me might bounce off of me, might devastate you. You know how that goes. So it's not specific. It's just what oppresses you. God will come against it for you, and he will defeat it if you will do what we have preached. If you will do what we have just preached, God will do it for you because Jesus died on the cross He was buried, rose again And ascended into the heavens And now he wants to pour out his spirit on you So I want, I want you to lift your hands And pray and say God forgive me of my sins Lord forgive me I repent before you in dust and in ashes Here I am I receive the blessing of the Lord I receive the blessing of the Lord I receive it Lord I come before you don't let that oppression come upon you don't let it beat you down let God step into your life let him show you how real he can be in Jesus name the Holy Ghost is gonna fall in this house and God's gonna change you I am chosen. Not i am who you say i am we hope you enjoyed this message please reach out to us if you have any questions we can be found at firstpent.org that's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org if you're ever in Pensacola Florida we hope you visit us be blessed in Jesus name